Welcome to the Quick Talk Podcast with Joshua Latimer, where we discuss business, life, family, faith, struggle, fire, pain, and ultimately winning. It's time to take massive action. Look, I, I can't work harder on your life or business than you do. It's ultimately all on you. You know, God created all the food the birds would ever need, but he doesn't put it in their nest. You've got to go get it. 10 out of 10 people die. So how about doing something today that actually matters while you still can? Hey, my friends, welcome to the Quick Talk Podcast. Super excited you're here. It's actually Monday, Labor Day. It's a holiday, and I'm in here slaving so I can bring you guys gold nuggets magical unicorn fairy dust by interviewing a super epic rock star, my friend Jamie Cross from Russell Brunson's Inner Circle from Colorado Springs, Colorado. Jamie, thanks for talking to me on a holiday. You are amazing. Oh, thanks for having me, Josh. I'm so excited to be here. Your story on many levels is like epic. Number one, you're going to be speaking at Funnel Hacking Live this year. Russell asked you to do that, which is like super woot-woot to you, high five, fist bump, (laughs) noogie. Like, that's amazing. I'm sure you're pumped about that. But I know last year at Funnel Hacking Live, you know, thousands of entrepreneurs pay a super high ticket price to go to this thing. It's like the energy is crazy. And you won, um, I think, was it your first two comic club award, like right at the event? Is that right? Yeah, on our anniversary. That is yeah. crazy, and you're a mom with four kids. You started your own business. Go ahead and do the typical beginning of podcast backstory for us and let us know kind of who you are and what got you to where you are right now. Yeah, for sure. Well, I had been in corporate America banking and doing all this crazy corporate stuff, and we had our first baby after five years of being married and didn't know if we could get pregnant. So I decided, we both decided, like, when, when we start a family – I'm going to come home and I'm not going to go to work anymore because I want to be able to be home with the boys and the kids. Well, we have boys now, so we didn't know that then. But mm-hmm. <laughs> um, So we were in this really, um, you know, driven by pain. I think that's where a lot of people create transformation in their situations is when there's some painful situation. So I was in a great amount of pain. You know, our finances, Nathan was teaching. So we were making like $1,800 a month. Um ridiculous. Like I, I couldn't go buy a $5 jacket for, for our newborn. Cause we were just, it, we were struggling. I remember somebody giving us a gift card for like $25 and Nathan going out and trying to sell it so that we could have like gas money and some groceries. <laughs> wow. So it was so nuts, but we knew that like, it wasn't going to stay that way. And so, um, we were part of a really great church of entrepreneurial pastors and, Um, so I was just in that place of like, I can't stay here in this, like looking at my life 10 years from now, I can't imagine continuing on and struggling and I want to build something and leave a legacy for my family and change the world. And, and so, um, I asked God for a billion dollar idea and two weeks later I had a dream and I saw this whole business blueprint and a vision and like woke up that morning and told my husband, I'm going to start a skincare company. It was so clear. Like I saw the name of the business. I saw myself pouring these oils and there was these botanicals and these purple flowers. And it just was like, here you go. This is what you should do. And what's crazy is I grew up on a farm. Um, we had fresh ingredients all the time. And I remember taking, I didn't even remember this until years into building my business, but like taking ingredients from my mom's fridge and 
hiding away and like concocting my own like facial masks with avocado and oats and honey and crazy stuff and then leaving these monster ingredients in my mom's fridge. So <laughs> it was like God, God, but God knew and knew what I could do for a long time and be driven out and be passionate about. And so I started our skincare company, was nursing my newborn at 2 a.m., like reading, studying chemistry and medical journals and alchemy and herbalism and essential oils. And I'd failed chemistry in high school. So it was like the grace was there to learn and absorb information that I had previously struggled with and formulated our first product a year later and just went through like my journey. I don't know how much you want me to go into the no, journey this of is like amazing. growing. Well, I, the, the, the <laughs> notes I've taken so far are highlighted with the word pain because I know you don't know my whole like backstory and all that. We have met in real life. I've met Jamie in, in uh, Boise at the Inner Circle Mastermind thing, and she's amazing. But I always say, I always joke that I have a bachelor's degree in pain and a master's degree in suffering. <laughs> and uh, like one of my favorite quotes is that everybody sees the wine, but no one sees the crushing of the grapes. And Oh, Pretty much yes. all great stories start from a place of pain. I mean, my wife's debit card was declined when she tried to buy groceries, like when I first started my business and she had our yeah. our newborn son with her and she calls me crying and it was horrible in the moment, but like it makes yeah. sense when you look back that you're getting prepared because when you speak at Funnel Hacking, people are going to look up at you like, oh my gosh, she just started making the skincare stuff. She's selling millions of dollars of this. That's impossible. I can never get there. And but they don't know the whole backstory. So please continue. Yeah, no, you're so right. I mean, and if people could just understand that pain can be a, a catalyst for purpose and greatness, then I think we would actually look forward to it. Like, like James says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of any kind. Like those things are meant to catalyze the, the greatness that God has put inside of every one of us. So anyway, so I, I, launched my skincare company a year later with this amazing bar of soap and concocted some other balms and really amazing products. And, but they were new and like, I hadn't tested them in, in the mass market yet, but I started in Denver and Colorado Springs, just walking up and down the streets, walking into stores, asking for buyers, asking for owners, um, with my little kit and doing presentations on the spot and shaking hands and like making deals and, and getting my products into these stores. And that was like, it was totally grass you know, grassroots, um, starting from scratch. And I remember I came to a point where I was like, you know, I, and as a visionary, I'm sure you, you have this too, Josh, but you can look into the future and kind of see the direction that you're going. I think it's a superpower that most entrepreneurs have is being able to look into the future. So I saw myself like, man, I feel so disconnected from our customer. I feel so um, like I can't control their experience. My client really ultimately are these stores. And I, and I had, I was, I was just struggling working with the stores cause I was so disconnected from the consumer and I wanted to know what they wanted and I wanted to be able to like meet needs. And so I, I assessed my business model and decided to just totally like, change the direction that we were going. So we maintained those relationships with those stores as long as we could. But uh, I got into all these different farmers markets here in Colorado. And that was really where I, I started to prove and go through a transformational journey where like I started out with a product that was kind of like a rough draft and people would come back to me and they'd be like, Oh, I hate the way this feels. I don't like the way it smells. I didn't get the results I wanted, you know? And I would be like, 
I would go back to the drawing board and I did that hundreds of times. And so that was the beautiful thing about being the formulators. I could go back and I was taking this active participation in hearing what my audience and what people wanted and transforming my product to the point where within a couple of years, I had people coming back like crying, like, man, my acne went away, my psoriasis went away, my eczema went away, or I was able to sleep for the first time in years. And I've gotten off my Ambien or my medication because your products are working so well. And I honestly believe like I've, I've prayed over everything that I've done. And um, God says he will bless the work of your hands. And I honestly, truly believe that there's an anointing on our products that can't be explained because like, I'm not like super, I'm not, I was never like the super smart girl. I was just driven. I was a hard worker, (laughs) you know? And so you don't have to like be this special know it person. You just have to learn how to, um, hear and then respond, you know, listen in response. I was actively in relationship with the Holy spirit. Teach me God how to how to do this and how to make it right and how to get these perfect. And he did. And, and now we're impacting millions of lives. Um, we've sold multi-millions of dollars of product and have so many people that just lives changed. And, um, so that's, that's where we are. It's amazing. I'm <laughs> speechless. And, you know, so let me ask you, how long did it take you to really get some financial momentum? Like from the day that you decided, uh, you were going to leave your job in, in the banking world, right, to mm-hmm. actually making some sort of significant income. You know, you have marketing, yeah. you have to build websites, you had to learn e-commerce, you had to, like, there's so much stuff you had to figure out. Mm-hmm. How long did it take and how did you stay positive when it w- wasn't looking like it was going to work or you had discouragement? What was that like for you? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. So, um so many people go to college for four to six years and they come out of school in debt and then they never really like gain financial traction in life. They're constantly like, I mean, it's years and years and years before they can retire. So I look at entrepreneurship this as, man, what if it takes 10 years to really make something and to build something that has some substance and fruit? And so to answer your question, we were doing low six figures at farmers markets. I mean, I raised my prices and was like, that's kind of what separated us. People would be like, why are you charging $10 for a bar of soap? Well, and then I'd sell them and be like, oh, wow, I have to get four. <laughs> I have to buy buy up my stuff before you guys run out. Um, but I put all of that money back into the business. And so I talk about how we were financially struggling before we found, you know, um, like click funnels and all the stuff that we were doing on digital marketing. And it was, we were struggling because we were investing back into our business so heavily to learn and grow and, and figure things out. But it took me eight years. Um, I'm sorry, by the time I had started converting last year, so we were about six and a half years into business, five and a half from the time we actually launched. So gotcha. it was over five years of just blood, sweat and tears and, and not seeing like not being able to, necessarily live off that you couldn't buy like six jet skis for a while now (laughs) now you could not that that's your thing no we're actually speaking about a fundamental kind of truth of business and the people that listen to this show know that for me um when my i had a cleaning business for 10 years that i built and sold and i was only paying myself 500 dollars a week in in salary when we were doing 50 60 70 80 thousand dollars a month with that company wow but Mm -hmm. but that's the path like the scale and reinvestment, like it's like a teeter totter. Like you can't 
choke your business out, buy six jet skis too early, you have to plow it into growth and people miss that, especially yes. people in the home service businesses because it might be the first mm. time they've ever really made a lot of money and they freak out and so they immediately get into more debt or they buy a bigger house or they get a new car and it just it's it chokes the business um, out and it's Every time I meet someone succeeding, they, they do what you just said. Like they suffer for a little while now so they can have an amazing life after the fact. Um, yes. I want to transition a little bit to like uh, your your funnels, like you're a funnel expert now and you're doing all this cool <laughs> stuff and you come across as so sweet and so like innocent, just like, oh, well, I just made some soap and we've made millions of dollars. But you're an, actually, you're a business savage. You are. You're copywriting. I I just ordered some man soap. And for everybody listening to this, um, go to her website and check this out and read her copy and just apply some of the the fun that she has with her copy and her brand uh, to your business. Uh, The website is migsoap.com. That's the letter M, the letter I, the letter G, migsoap.com. And I just bought some man soap. And I think I might have got man face too. But can I just read this copy? Because this is incredible marketing. Yeah. So this is a really unique bar of like handmade soap that barely even looks like soap. Looks like a like a piece of rock pulled out of the Rocky Mountains. It's amazing. It says, "Gentlemen, we know you've struggled your entire life to find the perfect soap, one that could make your muscles stronger, your beard fuller, invigorate your spirit and keep your lady interested. We also know you've probably thought that the perfect blend of cleanser, moisturizer, testosterone and organic gasoline didn't exist, but you are wrong." If your run-of-the-mill soap leaves you feeling kind of like Fabio, all man, but lacking the vigor necessary to wrestle a bear into submission, and you're ready for a soap that accentuates your manhood, grows your bank account, (laughs) and fills your home and your sheets with the iconic smell of sheer manliness, a soap that brings your lady closer while giving you the strength of a lion, look no further than Mig Man Soap. Like, I just want to slow clap so bad. I called my wife before our interview and read that to her. She was dying on the phone. Uh, So talk about (laughs) online marketing. Talk about the importance, aside from the humor, of writing copy like that, how you positioned, you know, your products, the funnels, the webinar, all that. Teach us some stuff there. Talk about your story from that point. Yes. So, um, and, you know, what's the, the beautiful thing about growing a business, too, is being able to start replacing yourself in roles. And so um, I've done up until a couple months ago, I've done all my own copywriting. And so this one that you just read was actually written by um, Yada Golden, who's an incredible writer. And she took um, pieces that men have actually reviewed on our products and she's taken stuff that like I'd written in her own genius and she's combined it into this great copy. So I have to applaud Yada Golden for her amazing writing skills. But the process of digging into the, the mind of the customer is the most important thing. And so when we launch products and when we build things, we kind of it's easy to get caught up in like making pretty websites and and everything looking really nice. But ultimately, you have to build what you're building from the position of how is my customer going to perceive and translate this into like, almost like you have to tap into their emotions. And so that was a really long journey for me. And I think being at the farmer's markets and talking to so many people helped me to do that. But a lot of times people struggle in the beginning because they're trying to launch a product and they don't really understand what their customer wants or how they think or what motivates them or what their pain points are. And that's critical if you're going to be successful in business. So 
Um, so I've gotten to a point now where everything I do has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with how can I speak my customer's language and meet their needs and, um, and like solve problems that they are waking them up at night. Um, but I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, totally. And what's so weird and what's so unique about our podcast is like I call our listeners blue collar entrepreneurs, but because they're out there like doing stuff, they're washing houses, cleaning carpet, building decks or contractors, roofers, lawn care companies, cleaning companies. But everything like from Russell's world and this online digital marketing, all this stuff is still true, even even to the point of like webinars. I know at Funnel Hacking, you're going to talk about webinars, I think. Maybe you can give us an overview yeah. of that. But like that structure, mm-hmm. the way that the way that we present our offer and our services and products to our customers, the way we overcome objections before people even realize they had that objection, the framework yes. of it, like all of that stuff is applicable in real life if you're selling face-to-face or if it's on a webinar or whatever. Um, I just think it's it's fascinating. So what are your thoughts on, on, on that type of stuff and how powerful that's been for your company? Oh yeah, for sure. I have a kind of a story about that too. Um, and now that I'm speaking and like, I've been asking for some of the inner circle people to send me their webinars so I can look at it and like, tell me, is this working or like, is your webinar converting or is it not converting? And so one of my very first jobs was as a telemarketer um, when I was 17. So this was 1997, back when we were selling like long distance services. (laughs) That was you? Oh, so annoying. (laughs) I know. I know. I remember the very first time they took us from like training onto the phone, like onto the floor and how nervous I was about calling random people all over the country and asking them to buy stuff. But just like you said, I became savage at being a good communicator, like making the sales process conversational. And so, um, and I'll talk about this at FHL too, but I don't know if any of your people are going to be there, (laughs) but I would change my accents. Like I would do Southern accents and British accents based on which part of the country I was calling that day. So I got really like, you want to know your customer to the point where, where you're not only speaking their language, but you also want to be conversational. Um, and, and when I was building out my funnel, all that copy that is there that was converting, I was imagining like having this conversation. If I was going to sit down and like have coffee and talk about our products in a way that would make somebody be like, wow, okay, I'll take four of those. I converted that into like a sales format and, a lot of it just started with understanding good conversation and engagement and having what Russell would call like the hook and the story and the offer. Um, so your offer matters, your story matters, and then being able to grab people's attention and engage them really matters. And if you've got those three things, you've got a good offer, you've got good engagement and good conversation going on with um, a good story, then you should have no problem selling your product. Absolutely. You know, you're in a market that is like this bajillion dollar, like, I don't know what category is like skincare product. So (laughs) a lot of people think like, well, that's terrible. That's our, I can't go there. There's, that's already done. That's saturated. Right. But what you, what you're doing through your storytelling, your messaging, the way that you decommoditize your product, that's what I call it. Kind of like blue ocean, red ocean. (laughs) That's how you do it. And so like, um, 
people will get really stressed out if they move to a big city and there's 25 other window cleaning companies. Now, that's not bad. That's good. That just shows there's evidence of a market there. What you exactly. have to exactly yeah, you just have to decommoditize yourself through the, the language, the sales process, the experience, all the perceived value, all the little things. Even like one thing I like about um, your stuff is the packaging. You know. And mm. you look at like Apple products and the box, their boxes are so nice. You don't even want to throw the box away when you buy it like a <laughs> MacBook. Like, but those little nuanced things are critical in all business. And you've really just crushed at that. And it sounds like it was a long journey, but um, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on what I just said? Yes, I totally agree with you. Um, the experience, the customer journey um, is, is critical. And I, that's again, like, I mean, five years to get to the point where I could take a message and convert it online was really just digging into the marketplace. And so for people that are, are building businesses, um, people always told me like, oh, you're going to have a hard time selling soap because everybody is making soap, you know, or <laughs> skincare. And there were so many naysayers. And it, it's funny because I had the same um, the same ideas that you did. It was like, man, that just means that people, it's a product that people need. And so I was always asking myself, how can we separate ourselves? And so one thing I did that is counterintuitive was I raised my prices. And so like one of our soaps is a $20 bar of soap and we're about to double our prices because we're doing this whole rebrand. But when you position yourself, um, when the, when the, um, you've got a, the perceived value people will pay whatever you're asking. Honestly, like if you connect with them emotionally and you solve problems for them before they've even purchased the product, like in their mind, they're like, man, I've got this pain point and you're going to solve that pain for me. I'll totally hand you 40 bucks for a bar of soap if it means my acne is going to go away. Cause people are spending money on garbage all day long. If you truly, if you, if you've got products that solve people's problems and you know how to communicate that, and then you give them the experience of a lifetime. Like you said, the whole unboxing experience has to be there and um, separate yourself. Like I remember my dad was a, a builder and so many builders would come to the door um, and I'd go to, I was homeschooled. So I would go to on jobs with him and like build homes with him. And I'd go to his, where he would be doing like estimates and I'd walk around and like see what he was doing. And um, he would talk to me about this in the truck. Like people will, all these contractors are showing up in their paint clothes and they look like scrubs. And my dad knew how to like look good and he would show up looking like a professional and he, he carried himself well and he made people feel safe, you know, and he wasn't the cheapest guy. Like they knew they were investing something. It's like that perceived value was there. And, um, so if you can create that in your businesses, you'll have no problem getting clients and you'll have no problem getting paid. Oh yeah. I mean, there, oh my gosh, there's so much I want to say about this, but, um, People basically buy on emotion and then they justify with logic, right? <laughs> yeah. And so if you're not connecting emotionally, even with my software, like a huge parts of my webinar presentation and the, when we, we try to get people to invest in our software is super emotional. You know, I'm telling stories about all the pain and suffering from my life and it has a massive mm. impact. And um, as, as far as pricing, a lot of the service companies are terrified to have high prices because of their own self-loading beliefs because the, they don't value themselves high enough, which is a whole other mm -hmm. conversation. I always mm -hmm. tell people, go low or go high, but don't go in the middle. Um, yeah. Most companies are in the middle, which makes you not fascinating at all, creates no conversation. There's no like polarization by doing that. 
And mm-hmm. if you are the cheapest price, it's it's a race to the bottom. And guess it what? Is. The worst thing about a race to the bottom is that you might win, and you don't want to win <laughs> a race to the bottom. <laughs> I know. Or even worse than that would be getting second place. I heard that quote somewhere. Like you're almost the cheapest, which means you're, that's even worse than being the cheapest. So. I'm with you there, and and uh, I want to encourage everybody listening. Just raise your prices. Nothing bad's going to happen. Yes, you have to back it up and have integrity and and be awesome and fascinating. But most of you probably are that. Just give yourself permission to to get paid uh, what you're worth. Uh, did you start out with high prices, or was was no. there a lot of fear in the beginning? No, I was going to say like you said something really key. Like back it up. So you the substance has to be there. Like the results. If you're going to show up to somebody's door and and be the most expensive guy, you should have mind-blowing results for them. And then, like you said, like you should have guarantees in place. And so when I first started, you know, we were wholesaling. And so um, and I didn't even know how to do that. So the very first buyer I ever talked to was the owner of the shop. And she sat me down and like educated me for like an hour. It was my very first time walking into a store. And it was so amazing because she talked about like keystoning, which is whatever you're retailing, whatever the stores are retailing for, you need to cut your price in half. And so I started out at like a dollar twenty five. For a bar of soap? <laughs> like at wholesale. Yeah. Wow. And they were selling them for two fifty and because I wasn't getting I wasn't paying myself and mm-hmm. and I had but you were taking saying, massive imperfect action. Like that's the beauty totally. of this. That's <laughs> you couldn't even have figured it out if you didn't just like do that. It's amazing. It's so cool. I love it. <laughs> Totally. Right. Yeah. And then the first time I ever went to raise my prices, um, I lost the store because of it. And it was this, this guy that was like total haggler and he wanted to negotiate. And I was like, <laughs> dude, I want to go to like a dollar 75, you know, it was minor, but uh, yeah, like there's a lot of hard lessons along the way. And looking back, it's exactly what you said. Like it's meant to prepare us for, it's meant to strengthen us. Honestly, the struggle is meant to to strengthen, you know, and if we can all have that mentality, we'll actually look forward to, um, I came up with this weird thing this morning. I was thinking about like, I, I do this where like taglines come to mind. I was like the light at the end of the funnel, <laughs> <laughs> the light at the end of the funnel. That's awesome. And you, you learn that not everyone's your customer. The haggler guy is not the person that needs to be selling this epic, you know, man soap that helps you chase down grizzly bears, right? Like he's not the guy. And yes. you know what else is cool? that I'm sure you'll agree with is when you talked about delivering a spectacular experience, it might mm-hmm. take 15% more work or effort to do that or 20%. But what if you got a hundred percent more revenue because you were able to slow down and like over deliver, right? What if you weren't oh, yeah. terrified to spend an extra 30 cents on your packaging or whatever? Like the, the, the people that have the low prices are doing a lower level service because they're in a hurry. They're panicked all the time. They can't serve their customers at a high level because there's no margin, right? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, you're speaking my language. Well, I feel like we just need to have a big group hug right now. And I I want (laughs) everyone to go to your website and buy man soap because when I get mine, I'm going to talk about it. And I just think it's really, really awesome. And a bunch of other people in the inner circle told me, like, you didn't buy man soap? I'm like, what's man soap? Like, you got to talk to Jamie. I'm like, okay. And then we met and stuff. So I'm pumped up. Everybody go to migsoap.com. And I hope you're inspired, you know. Let's end the podcast maybe talking about family because when I saw you oh, in Boise, um, we talked about kids a lot, right? And like yeah. teaching entrepreneurship to kids and we're so in alignment with that. 
What are some things that you guys do that are, that's unique or maybe some ideas or some philosophies you use with your, your kids when it comes to business? Oh, for sure. So our kids are unschooled. I wanted my boys by the time they're 16 when other kids are like still in school and then they have to spend another four to six years like gaining a trade at 18. And then by the time they're 25, they don't have money. They don't have it like they've not really gained mastery. So I've looked at entrepreneurship as an opportunity to help the boys develop mastery. So by the time they're young adults, you know, 16, they are going to be ready to implement their mastery and and be profitable at it. So all the boys have started like they um, we've got beeswax all over the floor in our shop because we use, you know, we shop from our, we partner with local farmers and have this raw beeswax. And so the boys go in there with these blades and they go in the bathroom floors and on all the concrete and they like scrape the beeswax off the floor and they're learning work, work ethic. And, and then we've got caps. And so they go in and they do like thousands of caps and they make a penny every time they put a cap on something. And if they find a drip, then they get an extra penny. So they're like looking for mistakes so that we can fix them. And Um, just that process of involving them in the business, you know, my, my oldest now will come to meetings with me and sometimes the boys know they can come in at any time into my office without knocking and sit next to me quietly and listen. And so there's an open door policy for me with them and they just, they're observing and they're, they're part of everything. They know that what we're building is something that they own. So they take ownership. Um, but like, at 16 years old, I want my boys to be so savvy in business and be like, I'm really good at, and also with unschooling, it's like, I know my oldest is really savvy in entrepreneurship and leadership. My second one is a real analytical kid. So he, I've got to give him something to build. So I'm trying to think of like, in what areas in the business can they really come alive and use their gifts and, um, and gain mastery in their gifts so that, so that it's not just like, it's not like a one size fits all type of thing. I'm really trying to place them in areas that I know they'll thrive. Oh my word. That is so freaking amazing. I love what Myron uh, Golden calls uh, public schools, government indoctrination center. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, I'm not anti like teacher. There's great people out there and all that, but I am in alignment. Like, our job is to educate our kids. Our job is to make sure they understand finance and money and margin and creating value in the world. It's a perpetual conversation in our house on creating value. In fact, um, I have for one of my companies it's called Automate Grow Sell, and it's like a coaching and training. We help these businesses systemize things. It's amazing, and we have a live event. Um, it's a, like a high-priced small group live event, and I was just talking to my wife today about how I want our oldest son Maverick to be there. Um, to experience it and to like possibly even give a presentation, you know, and I'll work wow. on like a mini presentation because he's already built and sold a candy machine business when he was ah. seven, right? Which was this little micro thing, but huge in his brain, like changed <laughs> ah. his whole world. And he would have to I walk into these business, uh, these businesses and ask if he could place his candy machine there and talk to adults as a seven-year-old using a script. And I wouldn't go in with him. And he had to go into 25 different businesses just to place five machines and I've talked about that in the podcast before so I won't totally go down that road but the importance of what we're doing from a legacy perspective I think we can't even measure it's like completely family tree changing it's life changing so true and 
hopefully so pe- people listening can maybe involve their kids a little more in their business. Let them like use your CRM. Let them understand your scheduling software. Let them listen to your customer conversations. Uh, talk to them about perceived value. Talk to them about your customer life cycle or whatever systems you have. Like yes. kids are so much smarter than we think if we just give them a chance and include them. It's so true. Can I just say one more thing about in, yeah. it, it? This kind of is it plays a key role, but, um, you know, we were talking about Proverbs 31 before we started and, you know, there's a woman, there's an ancient proverb. This woman was super profitable in business and she, um, it talks about how she took care of her household and she had like these maid servants. And so something that I think is really critical for us to, um, assess is like there's so many moms and dads doing everything all themselves but it's okay to get help in the home and I think that frees parents up to be able to do more with their children like having helping hands in the home and so one thing that motivates me in being profitable is that I can I have like somebody who's here in the house who's like second she's a helping hand for me she's getting lunches ready and I'm able to do more story time and more business one-on-one stuff with them because there's a lot of whole household things that I don't have to worry about. So like taking that into consideration as well. Oh yeah. People have such a weird, um, relationships with money though. You know, like they, they feel guilty. I know I struggled with this Jamie big time. Like I felt gross when I started making a lot of money and it, be, because I came from a non-entrepreneurial mm-hmm family that had a very unhealthy view of money, you know, the whole money doesn't grow on trees type attitude when actually it does. They're called apples and you can sell them and make a profit. But anyway, (laughs) so like, but, but breaking out of that's really hard. And even when we moved to Costa Rica for a while and we hired some people to help around our house and maids and cook us breakfast. And I felt Mm -hmm. weird, but it's like this. Okay. As you level up uh, as an entrepreneur, CEO, whatever, um, it doesn't even make logical sense for you to do certain things for yourself, if you think about it. For example, uh, the CEO of Apple is Tim Cook. It would not make, it would be irresponsible if he spent two hours a day cleaning the bathrooms at the world headquarters <laughs> of Apple. Right. And it's not that he's right. above it. It's not that you're above making lunch. It has nothing to do with that. It's, it's you being wise with understanding the value of your time and investing mm-hmm. that time in a higher level activity. You know, it'd be mm-hmm. like a disservice to the shareholders of your family for you to do all this other stuff when you could be doing higher level things. I, I hope people get that because it's really yes. hard to break out of that that mindset. I, was, was your family always really open with money and stuff or what was that like in your household growing up? Yeah, there was, um, I, th- we were not, like we were very, I don't know, like poor and my dad was an entrepreneur and this was before the internet. And we were like farm people. So I don't know. I feel like we were just like your regular poor farm people. And my dad was a builder. So it was like we lived on a farm, but he was on this amazing like business. And But but were were they like supportive of like big ideas or did they? Oh, yeah. And and like, I don't know. Did you talk about money? I know growing up for, for me, we didn't really talk a lot about it or when we did it was always in a negative light you know like <laughs> hey I want to buy these shoes for school and it's like well I'm not spending a hundred dollars on shoes which is valid if we don't have it but like framing it that way is weird you know like with my kids oh yeah I, I say well we can't you can't afford that right now but let's ask ourselves how can we afford it like what do we mm-hmm. what would have to happen for us to create enough value to be able to do that right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah exactly no I 
my dad, we'd play Monopoly and my dad would give us like all kinds of money lessons and we were pretty open about it, but I don't feel like it was something that got talked about or like there was no, I saw more than I heard. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Well, and they just didn't have like the education that you have. I mean, we're in a new world right right now. Like it's crazy what you can do. What was it? How many years ago? You were basically dead broke a couple, two or three years ago. And then boom, two comma club, million dollar funnel. And then growing from there, things can change really fast. Uh, And in the world we live in right now. (laughs) Yes, it is. And yeah. And going back to what you said originally, like the struggles, I mean, to even handle, to handle growth and wealth takes a lot of responsibility. And like, I don't know that if I had just done this like five years ago, I don't know if I would have been ready for it, you know? Mm -hmm. You have to get broken down so you can get built up. The pain is the path. You know, you have to have it or you can't handle it. That's why everybody that wins the lottery goes broke. Like almost all of these people. Money isn't the thing that gets you money. It's it's the process. It's who you become along the journey. And then money is a byproduct of who you become. Yes. There's a a great scripture that says, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it will not bear fruit. And so there is like, there was a death season for me two years where we, that's like a whole nother story, but there was a season where, um, like our life had to shift and I let all my dreams and visions and that God, things that God put in my heart, I let it all go. And then he's like restored it back to me. So the breaking down, I'm resonating with that so much because mm-hmm. it, it happens, um, so that we can really go big. <laughs> Well, I'm super happy to know you, Jamie. I can't wait to build a relationship with you in the long in the long term and maybe meet your family someday. And thank you for taking time on a holiday to, to talk with us. This is going to be super, super encouraging for people. And once again, I want to force everyone listening to this to go buy man soap. <laughs> if you're a female, buy it for the man in your life because he needs to be able to rus- wrestle bears into submission. Go to migsoap.com. It's super awesome. Jamie, unless you have a final inspirational thought, uh, I can let you go. Uh, only inspirational thought is actually I'll set up a code for you, Josh, so that all your listeners can get family pricing. Ooh. So you can post that in your links um, Okay. When I, when I set it up for you. Well, thank you so much. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody, go to MigSoap.com. I'll post the code after I get it in the show notes to this episode, and I will talk to you soon. Jamie, thank you so much. Thanks, Josh. Hey, guys, just so you know, after I disconnected with Jamie, she set up a code. The code, if you want to buy her amazing products at a discount, is Quick Talk. No space, all one word, Quick Talk, like the Quick Talk podcast. And I'm not, I'm telling you, you guys got to go check it out. Buy some super expensive soap and read the copy on her website. It's amazing. Use the code Quick Talk. Hey, thanks for hanging out, friends. And from all of us here at the Quick Talk Podcast team, we hope you love today's show. We hope that you were inspired to become a doer and not just a listener. Apply what you've heard today in your own business and watch things change for the better. Lastly, remember that all the money in the world can't save your soul. Seek first the kingdom of God, my friends. We'll see you next time. For more information about the Quick Talk Podcast or Joshua's other businesses, visit our website, quicktalkpodcast.com. Have a blessed day.